You're listening to the Jewish Living Podcast. I'm Rabbi Nachum Mech. Welcome, everyone, to Jewish Living and the Laws of Brachos. Tonight, I want to cover, we have a couple of um, topics that are smaller topics. We'll see how many we cover this time and the next time. Um, there aren't too many things left in the Laws of Brachos. We'll talk about the Laws of Benching and Berkat Amazon the brachas we recite after eating, we'll get those in a few more classes. And we're probably going to wrap up the laws of brachas fairly shortly. There are a couple of like smaller things, pieces of uh, areas of law that we need to cover. Um, they're like, I don't know, miscellaneous. There, there are a couple of different things that do come up and you should be aware of. We've definitely covered, I think, the heavier, the a lot of the heavier topics um, and 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 uh, things that come up in, in, in a lot more uh, more commonly. But today what I want to cover, we'll, we'll start with the laws of prioritization. The laws of prioritization when it comes to brachas. And we know, we've talked about before, different brachas we recite on different foods. We've talked about what happens if you have foods that are made up of multiple ingredients. Those were the laws of Iker and Tuffle, subordinate and, and uh, primary, those types of things. Now, we've also talked about the idea, well, let's just talk about it again, is when you make a bracha on a food, let's say a glass of water, you don't make a bracha right, every time you take a sip of it. Right, your bracha, let's say on a glass of water, your bracha on an apple will cover anything that's in front of you, anything that you have in mind that's nearby, or if you're a guest, it'll cover anything that like kind of your your host will be bringing you. Um, even if you're not a guest, if you're you're sort of not the one in charge of the meal. So let's say it's your spouse who did all the cooking and preparing and serving, and you made a shahakal or whatever bracha you make, it's your your das as, as we say. Your the the bracha kind of lands on anything that will be coming naturally during that meal. Terrific. Problem is, or the question is, is oftentimes we have to make multiple brachas on different types of foods. So again, we've identified six brachas. Bread, mizonos, there's hagefen, there's ha'etz, hadama, shahako. Sometimes I've got, you know, different foods with different brachas. Or sometimes I've got two foods of the same bracha, but I'm about to make a bracha, which one should I eat first? It's a question of prioritization, okay? So let's go through that. What are the priorities of, a, of the brachas that we make, okay? The first thing is going to be the bracha of the food. So if you have multiple brachas that you need to recite, so first, the, the basic rule is we go from the most specific language of the bracha to the most general. We go from specific to general. So if you think about the translation of the word that of the bracha that you're reciting, the brachas that are the most narrow go first. So specifically the order goes hamotzi, mizonos, hagefen ha'etz, hadama shahako. Everyone got that? If you think about it, it actually made there's a certain intuition. Motzi lechem and haaretz, bread is a very specific food. It's probably a, of all of those, it's a very specific food. Thank you, God, for hamotzi lechem and haaretz, bringing bread from the ground. So that's the most specific food. Mizonos, bore mimine, mizonos, God, you know, thank you, God, for making all the, you know, grains. So that's broader than bread. Gefen, bore priha gefen is wine, is a very specific drink. Bore priha eats is fruit. Hadama means any vegetation, not just vegetables, vegetation. It's broader, shahakol, everything. 
So that's the order. So if you have different foods, you first, the thing that you make, well, again, hamotzi, it's probably going to cover everything that's in front of you anyway. But aside from that, it would be mizonos, gefen, ha'etz hadama shahako. Does that make sense? Questions? Terrific. Straightforward. Terrific. Let's say I have foods, multiple foods within the same bracha category. That makes sense? Multiple foods within the same bracha category. So, so I just said earlier in sort of in our introduction, we've mentioned that you make a bracha of, let's say, ha'etz, so bracha we recite on fruits, it will cover apples, that bracha will cover oranges, that bracha will cover pomegranates. Anything that's halachically considered a tree or a fruit, that bracha will cover. Now, I, I've got three fruit in front of me. The bracha will go on all three fruit. That's not our question. The question is, is that the first thing that I eat does have a certain priority. And halacha says, if you're going to be making a bari parayetz, and I'm planning on eating three of these fruits, one of them should come first. So the question is, is which one? Does that make sense? Again, okay? you're not going to make the ha'etz three times. You're only making the ha'etz once, but what you're going to be eating first is sort of the, prior the priority here. So there is an order of what goes first. So again, if it's multiple brachas, we already said what the order is. But once you're within the order, within the same bracha, so we're going to see there is three levels of, of rules of prioritization. Number one is if any of the things that you're planning on eating are from the seven species of foods that Israel is blessed with, okay? Specifically, if it's a grain product, so let's hold that off for a second, but if it's a fruit, the order is going to be, you know, we have olives, dates, grapes, figs, and pomegranates. Those are of the Shivat Haminim, the seven species that Israel is praised for. So if you've got an apple and a pomegranate and an orange, the halacha is, and you're going to be making a bore priha eights, you're going to eat the pomegranate first. You're going to eat a grapefruit, a grape first. Okay? Because those are fruits that Israel is blessed with. Let's say I'm planning on eating dates and pomegranates, figs, dates, and olives. Which one within the seven species go first? So I never remember this by heart. And I always struggle with this. This comes up one time a year. In my life, at least. For you, maybe, I don't know, you eat this type of stuff regularly. I don't eat this type of stuff. This happens to me every single year on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, a lot of these are part of the Simone Milsa, the auspicious fruits and foods that we eat. Many people, you don't have to eat these things. Many people have a tradition of eating all sorts of funny and interesting foods on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. Is anyone at my house on Rosh Hashanah this year? Samantha was, right? We had the whole, did we do a whole platter this year? Right? We got the whole thing and I probably got it wrong. Did I get it right? Did we have like a whole, I don't even remember what happened. We didn't, oh, maybe we only, I'm sure we did. We didn't? This happens to me every year. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can never remember. The order goes like this. I have it written down. I always have to just pull it out of a book because I, I don't have it memorized. But if you have multiple fruits within the seven, the Shivat Haminim, the seven species that Israel is, is praised by, the order goes olives, dates, grapes, figs, pomegranates. So if you want to write that down or memorize it or Google it, if it's Shabbos, you're not going to be able to Google it. So just find a good book on brachas. That's the order. So if you're planning on eating any of those fruits, that's the order of, 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 you know, of prioritization. Okay, does that make sense? 
with within the world of grains, this has never come up in my life. But in theory, if you have, let's say, any a grain product or bread, so there is a prioritization there as well. It's I I gonna have to thank my ninth grade Rebbe, my rabbi in ninth grade made me memorize this this acronym that doesn't stand for anything, but it's Wubsro. Wheat, barley, spelt rye, oats. Wubsro. You heard it here first, folks. Thank you, Rabbi Mendelitz, 30 years ago for making me memorize Wubsro. So that would be the order, okay? So again, the first thing in terms of prioritization are the brachas. The second thing will be if it's part of the seven species. Within the seven species, you got to just follow that order, Okay. Let's say it's all either a tie or I don't have anything in the seven species. I'm going to eat, I'm going to make a eight. I'm going to eat two fruit. One's an apple, one's an orange. What do I do? So the halacha is the next prioritization will be is, are any of them whole? Halacha, we, we have a certain preference if any of them are whole. So if I've got orange wedges versus an entire apple, you should make the bari priya eights and take the bite out of your apple first. Because the apple is whole, orange is in pieces and wedges, apple first. Okay? If both of them are either whole or both of them are either not whole, so what do I do? Whichever one you prefer, which do you like more? And that'll, and if not that, then you flip a coin. No, right? That's that'll be it. You'll have some kind of preference. And this is these are the basic rules of priority, no matter what. You always either you first look to is the order of the bracha. You then go to are any of them the Shivat Haminim, the seven species? Are any of them whole? Are any of them what do I prefer? By the way, this is true even within bread. If I'm planning on washing and eating bread, so you're gonna make hamotzi. And you're going to eat, you're going to take a bite from some of the bread. You have one bagel or tiny roll that's this big. And I'm planning on eating that. And I'm also eat, planning on be, eating a slice of bread that's this big. You make the bracha, if you're planning on eating well, you make the bracha on the whole roll. It's complete. So that will take precedence, precedent, precedence over the slice because it's not complete. Does that make sense? We have a question. Okay, so um, in the morning I'll have a bagel and I'll have fruit juice, uh, a side. And so what I'll do is I'll, I'll do it on the world I'll take a, a little piece of it, just to kind of like it's done, and then I take it. That's exactly what you should do. Okay. Because the, in that case, it's a little, see, the bread case is a little confusing because usually bread will cover any other food you're having in your meal anyway. So that's why with bread, it's usually this whole conversation isn't so germane. It's not so relevant. So what, you, what you're what you doing is 100% right. If you're eating bread and you're planning on having a, a, a smoothie with it and then your juice, you know, take, have your mozi, take a little piece of bread and then drink, you know, your, your juice. So these are the, right? That makes sense. Any other questions about these prioritizations? So these are the orders. There are a few except, I wouldn't call them exceptions, qualifications. So these are the rules of, of prioritization with a few qualifications. You don't have to wait. Meaning, if I want to eat this piece of licorice, and it's right here right now, and I know Shira is planning on coming in 10 minutes with brownies, and I'm hungry. I don't need to wait for her to come to bring the brownies, even though really brownies, because they're a Mizonos, really come before the licorice. I want the licorice right now, and I'm impatient. 
So you're allowed to eat your liquor. You don't have to wait. This is the whole conversation is if everything is right in front of you and you want to eat it, this is what you do. But you don't need to wait or push off or say, you know what? I'm not going to eat this because this is coming. Nor do you have to, number one. Number two, I don't have to eat something I don't want to eat. I want to have a shahako. I want to eat this licorice. And Shira comes and says, no, but I have brownies over here. And brownies are a higher order of braha. So I can say, I'm not interested in brownies. I want licorice. That's also, right? This is not a required, you know, like you have to eat higher order brachas. That's not what you have to do. We're talking about, this whole conversation is if you want to eat multiple things. Okay, number two. Number three, there are a couple other of exceptions. Specifically, the most, the two most notable exceptions are going to be Kiddush and Havdalah. Kiddush and Havdalah, if you think about it, Kiddush, we recite before the motzi. Friday night and Shabbos day. Really, if you think about it, that goes against our rule. The bread, the motzi, should come before our kiddush. But for halachic reasons, we need to eat kiddush. We need to do kiddush before the motzi. So even though that's in theory, technically speaking, going outside of our order, that's what we do. Same thing with havdalah, by the way. If you want to eat a whole meal or whatever, uh, you want to wash, for example, you should really have your havdalah first because you're not allowed to eat before you have havdalah. And that's what we do. So those are two other exceptions. And there's one last exception, which is important, which is, it's very similar to the first exception, which is, even if the foods are in front of me, but I have a specific reason why I want to eat things out of order. You could do that too. So for example, I'll tell you, I think we brought this up in a different context, but it's very same, same idea. I know after any fast, and if I've been fasting all day, I want to break my fast with water right? That's the lowest order bracha. Even if I'm having 30 seconds later, I'm going to have a bagel or I'm going to have anything else. I like breaking my fast with water. I feel like I need to drink that water first. I need to hydrate myself. I need to drink that water and then I'll wash. Now, one could say you're going out of order. We'll see. It might actually be more complicated than that. Um, time permitting, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It might even be worse. But the halacha is in that scenario, I, I have a reason why I'm going out of order. There's a strong preference. I want to specifically eat in this order. Do you know where else this can sometimes come up? In some scenarios, you might, I don't know, you're not people, I don't, I don't think people do this so much nowadays, but like you'll have an appetizer to whet your appetite. So I'm not eating the bread. I'm going to have the bread in 10 minutes. Right now, I want to eat something else to sort of whet my appetite. So you're kind of going out of order. But if you have a real reason, because for a health reason, a, a preference, I don't know, you just came in from playing soccer and you're all sweaty and I want to drink my water, my Gatorade before I have my big ziti, you could do that too. Even though you're going out of order, if like you have a real reason why you're going out of order, it's okay. Okay. Final note on this discussion of prioritization. And that is this whole conversation, everything that we just had is what we call lichat chila. Excuse me, lichat chila, which means this is what you should be doing initially. However, if you went out of order by mistake, it's fine. You didn't mess anything up. This whole thing is the idea. This is what you should do. This is ideal. If you didn't do it, like, oh, gosh, I forgot what the rabbi said, and I first made my bracha on the licorice, and now I want to eat my brownie, and then I realize, oh, no, I want to eat my pomegranate, it's fine. I mean, it is what it is. It's not what you should be doing, but if you did it, you you haven't, right? Don't, you know, go, don't go to pass go, don't collect $200, it's fine. You just keep on going. It, it is what it is.
Okay, that's our conversation about prioritizations, about orders of brachas, orders of foods, and priority and order. Does that make sense? Thoughts, questions before we move on to the next topic? Good? Straightforward enough? Terrific. Which leads us to our next topic, which is an interesting topic, which is what happens um, when things go wrong, when I mess up my brachas. This happens to everyone all the time. This happens to pious, righteous people. We mess up our brachas all the time. Everyone messes up. I forgot. And you see what happens. What do we do? So first of all, don't kill yourself. It's part of life. It's if you're, be proud of yourself that you're reciting brachas. If you're not making mistakes in your brachas, that means you're not doing enough practice for reciting brachas in the first place, right? It's, it's, we recite so many of them every day, we're bound to make mistakes. So for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about the general topic of mistakes in brachas. So I want to introduce the topic. I want, to, I want to begin the topic by reading a passage, which I think I've shared maybe an, in our first class or in an introductory class, or maybe it was in a different group. And I think it's, it's helpful, but I think we've discussed it before, but I think it'll really help for context. This comes from Rambam in his introduction, actually, to the laws of Kriya Shema. He's not talking about the laws of the Shema. He's actually talking about the brachas that we recite on Shema, but it's, it's germane to this conversation. He says, Brachos elu imshar kol habrachos haruchos kol yisrael. All of the brachas, any time, any prayer in the liturgy, whether it's in a sitter, whether we recite it in, in shul, whether it's in your home, whether it's on food. We've talked about the different categories, I think, in our first class, different categories of brachas in general. Like this whole class has been focused on brachas and the brachas we recite on food. But brachas in general, says Rambam, that Jewish people recite, Ezra ubeis dino tikno. Ezra, remember Ezra has so far, Ezra is the... He was the Jews in between the first and second temple era. He is the Jew who comes back. He leads the Jews out of exile from Babylonia, Persia, brings them back to Israel and begins the process of rebuilding the base on the second temple. So Ezra and his Bezdin, his court, they were the ones that instituted. They were the ones, I think he means composed the brachas that we recite. My understanding is that's just a euphemism. That's another way of saying the Anshe Knesset Hagadola, the men of the great assembly. These were the Bezdin. This was a, a very notable Bezdin that existed or over a couple of, I think, a generation or two, but right at the beginning of the first temple era, sorry, the second temple era. This Bezdin, Ezra was kind of the most prominent of them. They were the ones that formulated the language. Of all the brachas, and I'm going to say most of the brachas, there are many, you know, I don't know, 10% of the brachas that we recite are, I'm just making that number out of thin air, 10% are exceptions. But as a general rule, the brachas that we recite were composed by Ezra. And now this is what the Rambam says. You cannot subtract from them. You cannot add on to them. If sometimes you'll find some of our prayers, they're like they end with a smaller bracha. You, if that's how it was composed, you can't detract. If it wasn't composed like that, you can't alter the text of a bracha. How the, the bracha, how we have it received, don't play around with it. 
says the Rambam, the general rule here is the rule. The literal translation of what that means is interesting. Anyone who changes the coin, C-O-I-N, the coin that our sages minted. Okay, that's an expression. Which means you've changed the image of any bracha. You change the coin, right? You're, you're, you're playing around. This Every bracha is kind of like, right? You think about a mint of a coin, right? You have an, a, a mold and that mold was created and you use it a billion times. So our sages, specifically Ezra HaSofer and his court, they created the mold for what brachas are supposed to be like. If you want to change a bracha, you're not just changing the coin you're changing the mold that that you're you're going against the form that that they made if you change the coin that are that our sages minted if you change the text of a bracha this is a mistake you've not fulfilled your obligation you have to repeat itself you have to repeat yourself there are a couple of very important things that we need to pull away from what rambam is telling us number one and, and number one um, is always to understand anytime you ever come across in Jewish liturgy. So for our purposes of this class, the brachas that we were, these six brachas that we've talked about, ha-motzi, mizonos, ha-gafen, shahakal, as well as the bracha achronas, the after brachas and some of the other ones that we've talked about, as well, by the way, of all the other brachas that we recite either during davening or brachas that we recite on mitzvahs or brachas that we recite over special occasions. These are not just inspired poetry. It's not just a beautiful prayer that someone wrote and it's very nice to say. They are very, I don't want to use the word rigid, but they're rigid in terms of their halachic context. And we should treat them as such. It's not just, oh, this is so beautiful. If we change it, the Rambam tells us it's a big, fat no-no. It's a big, big no-no. And I'll take it a step farther. Ordinarily, we can use God's name. If I want to say, thank you, God, for helping me out. I had a really tough meeting. Oh, I'll say thank you, God, right now. I had to make a very uncomfortable phone call today. I had to call someone and tell them something they really didn't want to hear. I had to do it. You ever, anyone ever do that? So uncomfortable, right? I did it, and it was fine, and it didn't end up terrible. So thank you, God that that phone call wasn't a total disaster. I just offered a prayer to God. I said, thank you. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, God. I can, if I wanted to, could do the following. Thank you, Adonai, for making that happen. I just used God's name. Now, Ashkenazic tradition is to not do what I just did. But you can, strictly speaking, I can say, use God's name. It's a prayer. You're allowed to use God's name in prayer. You're allowed to use God's name, even if it's not like the most intense prayer. But I'm thanking Hashem. I had a very uncomfortable phone call today and it went well. Thank you. There's nothing wrong with that. So we can ask on the Rambam. The Rambam tells us if we alter the language of a prayer, or if we add a, of a bracha, specifically, baruch Hashem, if we change it, use it inappropriately, he says it's a terrible problem. I will add, it's, we're going to, as we enter into this new section, we'll find there's something called a bracha levatala. Has anyone ever heard of this, uh, heard that term? A bracha levatala is a bracha used in vain. A bracha that's recited in vain. It's, according to some, many, or most, 
If you recite a bracha in vain, we're going to define what that means in a moment, that might be a violation of one of the Ten Commandments of don't use God's name in vain. If you really think about it, it's a little funny. Why is that true? If a person says, Blessed are you, Hashem, the master, the king of the world. Everything came into existence because of your word. That's a beautiful expression of gratitude. So why can't I just walk in the street, not have anything to eat or drink, and just recite that bracha using God's name? Why can't I? Number one. Number two, and I've seen this, this I'm telling you, you want to know, okay, we're being recorded, but I'll say it anyway. You want to know how to get under the skin of any Orthodox rabbi? I'll tell you a couple of ways. But here's one that gets it. And I, I say it with love. I don't, I don't say this disrespectfully. I say it with respect. But it's I'm I'm it's the I, I just read I didn't make anything up. I just read you from the Rambam. This is like the most the, the Rambam. If you don't, you're not reading Rambam, you don't believe in Rambam. Like, I don't know what to tell you. He's as, as sent mainstream in Judaism. I mean, he was controversial in his day, but this is the Rambam for, for goodness sakes, and he's quoting the Talmud. And you'll see rabbis get up at, at different non-Orthodox rabbis at different events, and they'll start composing their own brachas at different events. Have you ever seen that? I've seen this countless times. I shouldn't say countless times. I've seen this numerous times. Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, and make up something that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, I've seen it. The oh, reform conservative, I've seen it. And again, I, I don't say this out of disrespect. I, I really don't mean this disrespectfully. I, I, I say it is... is the Rambam says you're not allowed to do that. Now, let me tell you why. The, now, in theory, one could say, what's wrong? The conservative rabbi, the former rabbi, whoever it may be. And again, I'm not picking on, on different groups or denominations. But what's the problem? They're express, they are reciting a beautiful expression of you know, some kind of prayer or gratitude. What's the problem? I'm allowed to say God's name at, in, in any kind of prayer that I compose. So why can't I use Baruch Hashem and... Say while I'm walking in the street, or say Baruch Hashem, you know, and compose my own prayer. The answer is is what Rambam says. This is the language of Baruch Hashem, or Baruch Hashem is a very very specific formula that was formulated by Ezra HaSofer and his Beis Dino, Ezra HaSofer and his court. These were prophets. Presumably, this language and text was written either with prophecy or with something very close to it. And using, misusing that formulation, even if you have good intent, person just makes up their own bracha. They don't have bad intent. I'm not trying to do anything harmful. They really are trying to express their gratitude, appreciation, whatever it may be to God. That's wonderful. But you can't use the words barachata Hashem and Conclude it however you want, unless you follow the rules of brachas. And if you don't, it's a bracha levatala, which means a bracha in vain, which according to most, some, many, or most, it's a violation of one of the Ten Commandments. If it's not a direct violation of the Ten Commandments, it's it's in that general zone of using God's name in vain. So if you want to use, you want to say your own prayer, that's fine. And I not only is it fine, it's encouraged. You should use you know, compose your own prayers at the right time and the right moments. Say, thank you. You should say that. I do it all the time. Thank you, God, that that conversation that I had with that person today that was really awkward, clunky, and awkward and clunky didn't end up being horrific. Thank you, God. 
But to say Baruch Atah Hashem and use that formulation, that is inappropriate. It's wrong. The Rambam tells us this is, it's a toa, you're making a mistake. And according to most, it's even, it's, uh, it's worse than that. That same contingency implies a word it's a good question probably possibly yeah because bracha well it gets into the question because you can recite brachas in english and you fulfilled your obligation which we'll talk about so it's probably a problem it's probably a problem so using the, the english formulation of is probably going to be a problem shira had a question no. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Compound sentence. Compound sentence. Okay. The one exception, but not for this, is going to take us far afield because maybe I was thinking about when, after we finish the laws of brothels and food, what should our next unit be? One of the things I was thinking about is maybe the laws of prayer. Maybe something like that. That'd be something we're talking about. A nice thing. So we'll see. There are parts of davening, even in the Shemona Esrei, where you are allowed to put, insert your own prayer in the, kind of in the bracha, but it's it's in the beginning of it. We'll talk about how you do that, where you do that, when you do that. But as a general rule, you know, put a circle around that. As a general rule, don't recite your, don't compose your own prayers. Stick to the, stick to the, I mean, Compose your own prayers. Don't compose your own brachas. Okay? If a person makes, um, you know, just an incorrect usage of a bracha is connected to the prohibition of using God's name in vain, it's called a bracha levatala. It's a bracha that's in vain. It's a big no-no. Let's not do it. Now, oftentimes there's another category of misusages of brachas at least when it comes to brachas on food, which is called a bracha she'ena tzmicha, a bracha that's not necessary. A bracha levatala would just be walking in the street, singing in the rain and saying, It's a beautiful prayer, but it's a bracha levatala, it's a bracha in vain, that's a problem. That's a little bit different than something that's called a bracha she'ena tzmicha. Bracha she'ena tzmicha means it's not really in vain, it just wasn't necessary. So for example, let's go back to something we mentioned at the beginning of today's discussion. I'm eating an apple and an orange, and I've got an apple and an orange sitting in front of me. And I pick up the apple and I say, and I'm looking straight at the orange, and I'm thinking in my mind, I want to eat an apple and I want to eat that orange. Chomp. I eat on my apple, and then I pick up my orange and I say, and I eat my orange. Right? Am I supposed to do that? No, because the one bracha that I recited covers both things in front of me. Technically speaking, this is more a jargon thing. You know, it's no real difference. That's not called a bracha levatala, a bracha in vain. That's called a bracha she'in it, it, The bracha made sense. I said, bore piha eats, thank you God for creating the fruit of the tree. And then I ate a fruit of the tree. The problem was it just wasn't necessary because I had already made that bracha 30 seconds ago on the apple. So that's called a bracha she'in Okay, which is an important, it, it's it's just in halacha, we codify these things differently, but it's important to be aware. There's something that we get, reciting a bracha and making, composing our own brachas is a problem. Rec we need to recognize not, 
Re reciting a bracha when I don't need to recite a bracha is also a problem. So for example, this would be one example. I recited two brachas on two foods when I only br one bracha was required. Similar way of doing that would be if let's say I made a bracha on bread, which fulfills my bracha obligation on any food that I eat during that meal, but I decide I'm going to be extra religious. I recited in my amotzi lachem and aretz on my bread, and then I decided I'm going to say shakol niyambavara on the chicken that I'm eating two minutes later, because I want to be extra religious. That's not being extra religious. That's actually being extra unreligious, because, because that's a bracha sheinotzricha. It's an unnecessary bracha. Shouldn't do it. Um, Another example would be Iker and Tuffle. Remember, we talked about primary and subordinate. We've talked about scenarios where, you know, ingredients, one bracha will cover multiple ingredients. Pulling out the subordinate food and making a bracha on that is probably also, but this comes up, this is very, very practical. That's probably also a bracha she'ina tzricha. We're not being extra religious if you're having Cheerios and milk. I'm going to have the Boremi Mizonos on the Cheerios, and then I scoop out a little bit of milk and say call on the milk. That's not, that's, 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 not only is that not good, not only is that not neutral, that's a bracha shayna tzricha. That's an unnecessary bracha. The milk is subordinate to your Cheerios. That's it. Okay, does that make sense? Joel, you, did you have, did I see a question coming from over there, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I've been doing what you're saying not to do because I was practicing them over and over and over again. It's my understanding there's special balances for uh, educational purposes. And so I wanted to say about us several times with, with maybe two different classes of genes, for example. Um, but in my mind, I'm doing it the times. Is that? So Joel read my notes because I wrote right here, exception, education. Okay. So there is a rule for educational purposes, right? We mentioned Rambam says you're not allowed to just, you know, throw out brachas right and left for educational purposes you can usually when we talk about educational purposes we usually mean like a teacher teaching it to a student that kind of scenario such as you right what's that right so i want i want to double check that seems like a, might be a little bit different because then you're practicing what's not like i could see if this would be a funny example if someone would be like you know what i'm going to stand in front of a mirror and practice like you know like you're practicing a speech i'm going to practice reciting the bracha call me like if that helps you get used to it that might be one thing i would i see a difference between doing that and practicing over food when what you're doing is actually not a, not appropriate. So my guess, I would have to double check. My gut tells me I wouldn't do that, even though your intent is for education. It's probably better to educate by following the the like the protocol, and we'll get used to it. That's that would be my my that's my gut, but I'll have to double check. Um, there's another category. So we're talking about making brachas unnecessarily. There's another, this is, so we talk about something called the bracha levatala, which is just like walking down the street, making a bracha or composing your own bracha. That's a total bracha levatala, totally not, not appropriate. There's a next category it's called the bracha she'ena tzricha, which again, it's equally problematic, which is it's not totally in vain. It's just not really necessary. There's a third category, which is kind of, which is a little different. It's called being goreim a bracha she'ena which means I'm causing myself to make an unnecessary bracha. 
it's a little bit different than the second category. It goes like this. Let's say I am eating a brownie. I've got a whole three brownies in front of me. I make my bracha, bori name mizono. And then I recite my after bracha, the al-hamechia. And now I want to eat the second brownie. What do I need to do? I need to make a new boremi name mizono because my after bracha kind of ended my first bracha. So I eat my second brownie, make another mizono. I make a second al-hamechia, second after bracha. And then I eat my third brownie, I make a third mizono. All right, and on and on and on. You know, technically speaking, every time I had, after I ended my eating by, by reciting the Alamechia, I do need to recite a new Mizono, right? Does that make sense? But but I was Goreim Abrach Hashem Tzricha, which means, yes, but that was not really, you didn't need to make the Alamechia. Why did you make that Alamechia? So it's not quite a Bracha Levatala. It's not quite like a Bracha in vain. It's not really like, a bracha it's like a totally unnecessary bracha. I just caused, I did something to cause myself to make an unnecessary bracha. So. What's that? So, okay, it's a very good question. So the answer is one second. The problem is not so much that I decide if you change your mind, you change your mind, that's fine. But let's say before, I don't know why you would do this, but if before you recited the Alamechia, you knew you were going to eat that second brownie. Th that's what we're talking about. So it's an unusual case. It doesn't really come up. The idea is like we try to avoid making unnecessary brachas if they're not necessary. Um, I'll tell you an example where where I, I, it's probably, this would be a, a, where you do see this and I'm going to get myself in the hot water, but it's, it's worth pointing out. It, it's something that, that became popular about 10, maybe 15 years ago in some circles, in very orthodox circles. Have you ever seen these bracha parties where people get together and everyone just recites a bracha on, on food? And like that way everyone can say a main, in a main party or... I've never seen, maybe they do it on Tu B'Shvat, I, I don't know. Those things, I don't know what happens in these in these scenarios, but those really probably rub up right against these rules because like I'm saying I ate, now you're saying an ate, now the third person's saying, like, why are we doing that? We as a general rule don't need to recite a bracha or we can minimize the amount of brachas that we say. We typically do that. So I'm not like, God forbid, saying that in those scenarios, it is being called Goryam Bracha but you got to double check. Like, I, I don't know what happens at these things. I know like in a lot of like, Halach, like some people are not so comfortable with these. Like, like, what are we doing here? Like, we're just making brachas for no reason. Um, so let's avoid that. Okay, we've got two minutes left. Can we cover the last two minutes? Real quick. Person's reciting a bracha. Baruch Hashem. And he realized, uh, I don't know what I was doing. I thought I was about to make a shahakal on water. There's no water to be found. What do you do? Any, has that ever happened to you? Yes. Has that happened to me a hundred times? Yes. Okay. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. But we do things that we're so, right? It's a classic. Like you made a bracha. You don't know where you are. You said a bracha. It happens all the time. There is a verse in now. So what do you do? So if you don't say anything, potentially it's a bracha levatala. So we try to, again, it, it is what, what you always, is a, an, an age old trick that's codified in halacha. If you said baracha to Hashem, and I'll say it like this. It's a verse in, Teha, in, in Tehillim, in the Psalms. Baruch atah Adonai lamdeni chukecha. It's a verse in Kufiud Tes, 119. 
King David said, Baruch Baruch So if a person says Baruch Hashem and like doesn't know where they are, for whatever reason can't conclude the bracha, this is the old hack. You say Lamdeni Chukecha, which means Baruch my blessed are you God, Lamdeni Chukecha, teach me your laws. That was, he was really the first person that we know that used the words Baruch Hashem. But it's not a real bracha. It's a verse in the Psalms. It's a, a verse in Tehillim. So if you ever find yourself and you messed up a bracha, but by the way, this comes up in prayer also. Sometimes you recited a prayer and you realize I shouldn't, I said the wrong one in the wrong time and the wrong thing. And you said Baruch Hashem, you always end Lamdeni Chukecha. Okay, good hack. It works. That's what you should do. The bracha for eights, and then you realize you should be set up. Can I just say, great, who has a mom without? Ah, okay. Terrific. So a lot of times that lamdeni hukacha trick doesn't work because I went too far, right? So, yeah. Okay, so let's just jump to that. Um, if let's say you said a bore prihadama, and you realize, oh no, I meant to say bore prihaits, or vice versa. So the rule is, there's a rule in Judaism called toch kadei dibor, which means the amount of time it takes to speak, which basically means if you catch yourself, you said bore prihaits, can someone, here, here the toch kadei is about two seconds. It's the amount of time that it takes to say, uh, shalom, aleich, shalom Aleichem Rebbe. So the Talmud says, that's the amount of time. How long does it take to say Shalom Aleichem Rebbe? Someone time me on that. It's about 1.5 seconds, three words, which means Shalom Aleichem, howdy, Rebbe, my rabbi. Shalom Aleichem Rebbe, how are you doing, rabbi? That amount of time, if you catch yourself, it's called 1.5 seconds, that's not about right, three words. If you catch yourself within that three times, you can go back. No harm, no foul. You go back in time. Great Scott. Did you catch that reference? No? Okay, thank you. Right? That works. So that is the million. This comes up in a million areas in Jewish law and halacha, but it the most the one of the best applications is right here on that on that very question. If you said the wrong bracha and you caught yourself within Shalom Alecha Rebbe, which means Toch Kedei Dibor is the expression. Toch Kedei Dibor means the amount of time it takes to speak. I, I don't know what that means, but it's, it's one that time you can undo what you've said. So you said, You're good. Okay? <clears throat> if let's say you realized afterwards, after that 1.5 seconds, it is what it is. It's a bracha of Atala. You're not a bad person. You made a mistake. Everyone does it. Whenever, not everyone, we try to avoid it. We try to be as mindful as possible. Sometimes these mistakes, not sometimes, frequently these things happen. The the halacha says, whenever, if you ever said a bracha lavatal, if you ever said a bracha incorrectly, we should say afterward, when you realize, oh, darn, I said the wrong bracha, you should say, Baruch Shem Kavod Machusa Olam Vahed. Everyone remember that from the Shema? Baruch Shem Kavod Machusa Olam Vahed, which means God's name should be blessed. It's sort of like an apology. I said God's name. I said a bracha inappropriately. That's a way of sort of like apologizing to God. You feel bad. Like I'm trying to be more mindful next time. And, and that's it. It, it. Everyone don't like, this is one of these classic things in Judaism where like you have to know where you are on the neurosis, you know, kill myself. I'm, I'm sloppy scale. 
is we try to do as best as we can. Don't be neurotic. Don't like be obsessive compulsive, but don't be too sloppy. Like let's get, we try to get that balance. Right. And it, it, it's one of those things. It's okay. It's not okay. It's okay. It's not okay. We make bracha. It's just part of life. You're going to make mistakes and say the wrong bracha. And you, so if you ever are in a scenario where you said a bracha levatava, you said the wrong bracha, say baruch shem kavod machusod and then just move on and make the right bracha. All right. Last thoughts, questions before we call it a night. All right. That's our story. And please, God, we'll, we'll nail our brachas correctly. All right, everyone. You've been listening to the Jewish Living Podcast with Rabbi Nahal Math. Please do us a favor and like and share this podcast, ask a question, or leave a comment.